gonna do this single origin Ethiopia. It's supposed to have notes of blueberry, jasmine. Ooh, it does smell really good. Good morning. This is Emily and welcome back to My Caffeine Withdrawal. I have been saving this episode since the end of October, just holding on to it. And I am so happy to finally get to share it with you. It's with one of my very favorite songwriters, Donovan Woods. Now, Donovan has won and been nominated for multiple Juno Awards. He's also written for a bunch of big country artists. But I first became a fan of Donovan for his album, Both Ways, in 2018. I remember sending this album to two of my closest music friends, Ben and Haley, and then I remember staying up at night and digging into all of his other songs. I always love when I can listen to an artist's full catalog and feel like I'm becoming friends with them just through their music and just by seeing how they process the world through their lyrics. We're getting so close to that cup of coffee. Donovan and I actually eventually connected over social media and began chatting a little bit. And I've been to his shows here in LA at the Troubadour and the Bootleg. So I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with Donovan and get to know him better. And I just trust his taste in music so much and he's such a good storyteller. You guys, I've even started sending him little voice memos of songs I've been working on just to get his take. So yeah, what I'm trying to say here is that I feel lucky that somehow I've managed to move from being not just a super fan of Donovan's music, but also maybe a friend in real life. At least I hope so. Donovan has a really special way of connecting with his audience at his shows. He's so funny and I look around and I see people laughing and having the best time, even though his songs are so sad. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode and get to know him more. And I wonder if many of you will listen to this episode and suddenly feel like you're not just a fan, but somehow also a friend. Donovan called in from his studio in Toronto and we talked about his upbringing, his musical influences, and of course we talk about his beautiful new album, Without People. But first we talked coffee and oat milk. Because I haven't done anything yet today. First coffee. Mm, it's really good. Time to get going. Take on the day. into oat milk right now yeah me too i don't want to hear about any other milks i'm big in oat milk (laughs) when did you make the switch to oat milk just like a like about a month ago i felt like i had one and i was like oh that's that's very nice that's very (laughs) nice that's delicious yeah i don't know what it's sort of like warm and kind of i don't know there's something nice about it yeah what did you have before almond milk I would use normal milk, cow's milk, yeah, which is, yeah. You know, it's always gross to, it's gross to say cow's milk, which is really a reason to not drink it, probably, if the actual name of it is gross. 
then maybe you should not be having it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually really like like whole milk, but I know it's not like necessarily oh, yeah? good for you. But and then I started to like, you know, like almond milk and I oat milk as well. I was never able to get into almond milk in any yeah. significant way. Um, where did you get your coffee from? My studio in Toronto that I rent is right beside a coffee shop. Literally, like, has an adjoining wall with a coffee shop. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's nice. They close at 1, so there's always, like, this stressful sort of, at 1 o'clock, you're like, I got to get in there and get a whole bunch of stuff, so in case the rest of the day goes really bad, you know, but it's really yeah. nice. And they're, <laughs> they're really, really nice people. It's great. I was expecting for some reason to see you, like, at home. So, I yeah. Don't know, like, in your house, but you're at your studio. Yeah, I rent a studio now in the city that's kind of far away from my house. It's the only thing that's that's bad about it. But it's like about a 15-minute drive from my house. And I have found it really helpful to be able to come and stare at the wall. So how long have you had the studio? And with um, coronavirus and quarantine and stuff, were you working at home? And then that's what prompted getting the studio so you could sort of... Yeah, kind of. Uh, the uh, It was sort of happening, and then it sort of fast-tracked when the when coronavirus hit, uh, or COVID, whatever. And uh, yeah. I realized it became apparent that I wasn't going to be going anywhere <laughs> for right. a long time. So I thought maybe I should have some place to take artists to write when I'm writing with another artist or when I'm writing over Zoom or whatever. But for the yeah. longest time, I would just write in the house and sort of dodge around kids and, uh, you know, just try to find little snippets of time to work things out. I've never been like a sit down and with a pencil and pen person to write anyway. It sort of always happens. It just sort of happens naturally. Like yeah, tiny. sparks your, yeah. in your brain. And, yeah. yeah. And I used to just never even voice memo anything. I would, would always just think if it's good, I'll remember it. But I don't believe that anymore. I don't think that's true anymore. I used to think that too like if it's good i'll remember it i don't i didn't record anything yeah and that turns out to be a lie i think i look back on so many things now and, and i didn't think it was anything and then i hear it an old voice memo and i think yeah well that's actually very nice and i didn't think anything of it at the time which has been a real nice discovery for me when did you start writing songs like can you remember the first song that you wrote yeah i remember the first song i wrote alone i had like a a band with my sister and two of our like family friends and we wrote you know silly songs for ourselves oh, really? yeah like when we were really young and th that was sort of like and i was i remember i remember taking it very much more seriously than the other kids did to the point than, where, where your sister <laughs> yeah my sister was always like chill out you know it does, <laughs> it's just for our parents it's just a concert for our parents and i was taking it much more seriously but in earnest when i learned to play the guitar when i was 14 about I wrote okay. started, started to write songs alone about you know like about people that I had crushes on and stuff and uh, oh that's and, nice and I remember the first one that I ever wrote but I never played it for anybody I just was secretive about it and like you know wrote it in a piece of paper and folded it up and kept it in a drawer and I was really ashamed of it really I was ashamed of my no one can find no my... one must see this I was ashamed <laughs> of the emotions I was ashamed of my emotions which is you know oh, just no. was living in little boy world where it was just you know yeah all that mattered now, was physical stuff um now your parents like you did concerts for your parents were your parents like big music fans or like how did you like get introduced to music my parents have always been They've always liked music. And my mom sings. My mom was a singer 
Oh wow. Um, she, she was a ch- in a church choir that ended up recording a record. So in a sort of little group, a choir group that became its own sort of group playing um, gospel music. And so she's a singer, and she's always sang to us. She sang to us our whole lives. She'd wake us up in the morning singing for school. So so it was always like, singing was never a weird thing for me because my mom was doing it really almost constantly. She still sings a lot. Just in her day-to-day life, we'll be making up little silly songs or singing old songs. And my dad isn't a singer, but he loves music in a way that's, you know, actually real. And he took us, he took my sister and I to folk festivals when we were kids. So I remember going to, you know, folk festivals in Canada, which is like a, a kind of a uniquely Canadian thing, which is every little folk festival in Canada is basically trying to be the Newport Folk Festival. Okay. Essentially. So that's the one, that, and that's the American one that we're all sort of endeavoring to to be like in okay. some way. They'll all get mad at me for saying that, but I don't I don't care. Um, but I, yeah, so I went to those as a kid and we saw people like Amy Lou Harris and we saw, you know, oh, and wow. I remember seeing Steve Earle and I remember seeing, you know, as a kid and I was so excited by how in love with these people my dad was, you know, he loved, he just was like, isn't that great? Look at him up there, you know, I just remember him thinking it was so great. And I, so I guess there must be like some part of it is like me, I thought, you know, my dad would be impressed if I did it. Was there a particular song or band that you remember seeing at the folk festival where you were like, oh, that one is really special or like, I want to do this too? Or Yeah, I mean, when I saw Emmylou Harris, I, I thought I was like, oh, this is amazing. I understand she was like uniquely elegant or beautiful or something or like there was something about her that was really impressive. And then I, there, was the, there was this folk duo called Trout Fishing in America. Some of the songs were almost silly songs, and I I listen to it now, and it's not... But I remember they had this song called Panther in Michigan when there was a panther. <laughs> when there was a panther... It it's a story about when there was a panther loose in suburban Michigan. And I was really enamored by these two guys. It was a guy with an acoustic guitar and a guy with a stand-up bass, just a duo. And I remember being... It was the first one that I saw at the Folk Festival where I was like, I gotta go get their tape and their CD or whatever, and I, and I did... I don't think they do. I don't think they play anymore, but yeah. What was the town like where you grew up? Was it like a small town or a big town? or? It's like a middle town in Canada. Middle size It's like, <laughs> it's, like uh, it's 70,000 people. So it's like... Uh, okay. Yeah. like. That seems big enough. It like has... Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff. There's like a mall and stuff. There's stuff. Okay, yeah. But it's a really working class town. And uh, so everybody works in this petrochemical plant, these petrochemical plants that are in the town. And... Everybody's dad works there, and then you sort of grow up to work there, too. My dad worked in construction, and, uh, you know, I thought that I would probably do that. So many people just did what their parents did, but he was really opposed to that idea. <laughs> I'm really lucky to have parents who have force. I remember even when I was thinking about going to law school, my dad was like, I think that you'll hate it. I don't think you should go to law school. Wow. So he really believed in your songwriting. I don't know and whether music, it was that. Or he just believed in you following I think he just the believed, thing that made you happy. Yeah, that I would be okay or something. That I was like bright enough to be okay without having a big profession. But I mean, there were certainly years where I was trying to be a musician where I'm sure that they were worried. I mean, there was a number of years that I could, <laughs> Yeah. Like nothing. So once you left that town, what was the name of the town? Sarnia. It's called, yeah, I never said the name. It's called Sarnia, Ontario. So it's right at the bottom of, you know, Ontario dips down into Michigan and there's like that thing that looks like an elephant's head kind of it's right on the sort of right at the end of that almost almost you know really close to Michigan right on the border I could see you know Michigan was like a 
10 minute drive from my house. Oh man, I want to send you this song. You know the band Him? H-E-M? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, they have a song about Michigan. Something about the way it's shaped and stuff. And oh, I would love to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> it's I think anytime there's a place, isn't it special when there's a place always? I don't know why. There, like there's a Rilo Kiley. Do you remember Rilo Kiley? Of course, yeah. yes. I was a huge Rilo Kiley fan. Yeah, remember that when they go, um, paint's peeling off the streets again. And I drive and close my eyes in Michigan. Like, if you have any connection to the place, you're, like, immediately in love with the song for some reason, you know? You sort of feel like it's for you or something. Yeah, it feels like it's serendipitous or something, you know? So, did you just move to Nashville? Did you move to Toronto? Yeah, I left to go to university, and then I, I never went oh, back okay. to university. So I left to go to university in a town called Guelph, which is on the sort of in-between Sarnia and mm-hmm. Toronto. And I did English and theater there, and then I... Oh yeah, I remember you telling me you were also interested in acting. Like that felt like a part of your, part of you too. Yeah, I was. I liked that. it. <laughs> I, don't, I still don't. I'm not like I was. I was never good at it. And when I look back at the things that I did, I, I'm. I don't even really understand why I wanted to do it. In some, it just seems so foreign to me now. I was always so self conscious about it all, and there was a time when I really enjoyed it, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And then after after that, I moved to Toronto to pursue that to try to be in commercials and stuff and I got to be for a while I was in a bunch of cores like commercials in Canada and a bunch of things okay which made it so I didn't really have to have a job for a while and then I sort of stopped getting commercials and then uh, uh, I had to get a real job and then when I got a real job I started recording songs myself and then yeah it took a while for them to get good and then when they got good they, they started people started to notice them at a certain point yeah it makes sense to me that you would be interested in theater because I feel like a lot of your songs are like stories. And if you were attracted to, oh, something in me wants to tell a story. feels like all the same thing to me in a way. And I think I think of, I think of my, of the song. I mean, I'm always envisioning them when I'm writing them. Of course, I think everybody is. But I really like theater. I really like theater a lot. I really, I, and I still really like it. I forget to go to it. And then when I do go to it, I'm reminded that it's really, like, a really powerful thing. It's uh, really special. Like, when you're in a good play that you really like, the end of it you feel completely different. I, I miss that. I like how everyone gets quiet right before the lights go down. I like the whole thing. Like, it feels like this really special collective experience, really similar to, um, you know, going to a great live show. Yeah. And everybody in there is excited to suspend your disbelief or whatever. Like everybody's signing. Yeah, everyone's like, we're going to all pretend together. (laughs) Which is a lovely thing to be at a bunch of adults and be like, hey, for the next two hours, let's just all pretend this is real and and see if we can have a really good time doing it. I don't know why, but I just keep wanting to figure out when did you move to Nashville? I only lived there for one time for like a short... Oh, really? Yeah, for a short amount of time and then I left. I only was there for like four months once at the initial period and then I was dating someone who I wasn't going to be able to move away and I just I've had I have a place there now but I've only ever really gone back and forth I wrote leaving Nashville in the first like long stretch of time that I lived there but the irony of that song is that I was just constantly leaving it's like (laughs) it's all I ever did as soon as I got there I would leave every single time but we were just writing that song about there is like a real palpable I mean you you know that you've been there and then there's a real palpable feeling in the air of um you either love the feeling of of the possibility of your dreams being crushed every day 
Yeah. Or you, or you don't <laughs> like that feeling. And I'm certain that LA is the same feeling, I would imagine. Like, Yeah, I mean, I like this, but it is also, I guess, can be a little bit draining. The idea that like you start out on Monday and by Friday, you could have a completely different yes. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or nothing could happen, you know? So, like, there's just this sense that, you know, whether it's because of, like, the auditioning or, like, the people that you meet, things can really just change here in an instant. And it seems that all the people that you meet, no matter what their day-to-day job is, they're some other dream, you know? And also that it's just, like, a place where it's really possible. I watched people, like, when I was first signed to a publishing deal in Nashville, around the same time Marin Morris was signed to a publishing deal, and we all just watched her become a really, really famous person. Yeah. And it's very possible. You see, you like watch it happen right in front of you. So you do, so there is like, you know, your day job suddenly doesn't feel so tedious, I would imagine, because you just like, well, it, it is very possible. I'm in the best place possible for my dreams to come true, you know. And there's something kind of addictive about that towns like that. And I would imagine, I've never lived in Los Angeles, but whenever I'm there, I do feel like, do you feel like uh, anything good? I do. I feel happen. like I gotta get cool shoes, and I'm I, like my <laughs> my feelings. I gotta get really cool clothes, and be I gotta be part of this. Last time we were there, my manager and I had breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and I was just like, oh my god, I gotta be in here more often. Like, you know, it's just addictive. So either you love that feeling, or you don't like it. There are times when you need to you can lose touch with why you wanted to go there in the first place. You know what I mean? So I think like if you, if you can't stay in touch with like acting music, what a special power is, if you can't like keep in touch with why you want to do that in the first place, I think that can get really muddy in towns like this where you, like you said, the kind of addictive feeling of the ups and downs. And well, it's because you, and you also see that people's success tied to like, Suddenly they have a really great house and you go like, well, I would, oh, yeah. I would like to have a really great house. <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not happening for me. Friday came along and my life didn't change. Yeah, and yeah. so how many weeks do I? Yeah. You and you know. see people do these unbelievable jumps. It's hard to uh, perceive slow progress when you're watching other people do these unbelievable. Suddenly they're like. Yeah. On t- on Saturday Night Live or something, and you're like, Jesus, you know, like, so it's it's hard to, when you're measuring yourself against that, it's tough, it's really tough, yeah. What do you do to sort of, like, stay grounded? Well, you feel like when those things happen, you feel like, you know, nothing changes about you, like, you're still, you're, you know, I remember the feeling of winning an award, and then you have the moment of, like, oh, wow, did it actually, that actually said my name. And then immediately you're back to your old, your self-conscious self where you're like, am I taking too long to walk up here? Oh, God. <laughs> do I, oh, do God. I, you're just back to yourself immediately. And then you go off to like a media room where you're, all your self-consciousness is like tested again. So it becomes really obvious that those things are, those things are great and they feel really good, but you're still just yourself. And then for me, music is about like feeling good about the reason I'm a useful human Mm-hmm. is that I can make a song out of nowhere into something that makes people feel good and is useful for people. So if I'm, as long as I'm doing that, I'm happy. It's about making up songs. That's the end-all, be-all. And the truth is that things only happen in your career when you make up songs and people like them. None of that other stuff happens unless you make up songs that people yeah. like, period. So I just am always having to remind myself that it's about 
solitary moments or in a room with somebody else making some, some like a friend that you love to create with and sitting there making something out of nothing is really what the job is so and all the rest of that stuff is just window dressing yeah i saw a video on your twitter account but where you talked about how you're really good at writing these songs that are in a certain structure and then with your new album that you wanted to kind of like let the songs be their own thing. And I feel like that's kind of what we were saying is like letting things just be a new thing. Yeah, and maybe that's okay that they don't all, the drums don't hit at the exact right time or the, just sort of letting the song inf- inform what the, what the form of the song is going to be rather than going, I know that successful songs sound like this or tend to do this, you know. Which is really hard, especially when you spend time in Nashville writing with those pe- writing with people who are so adept at that and so skilled at writing things that check all those boxes and are available to be immediately could be a hit song with the right promotion. When you sort of hear the keys of how to do that, it's hard to not be sort of seduced by that because, you know, I mean, you could get like some jet skis and have a cottage, you know, <laughs> if you wrote some hit songs like you could get. You could get some really cool stuff, so it's hard to not be seduced by that. But the other thing that I think always about that last record is that, like, like we play for, uh, you know, a thousand people in Canada and these types of things now, two thousand sometimes. So it's like, I didn't think we'd ever play to that many people. And these little tiny folk songs that I was making before. You mean on both both ways, or which which record? Well, like two three records ago, I was just making acoustic folk songs that really didn't. The records were very tiny. And then suddenly we were playing in these bigger places, and then suddenly we were playing in bigger places. I felt like it was my responsibility to make the sound of the records be big enough to fill those venues that we were going to have to play in. You realize that, like, it doesn't really matter. You can still make an experience if you work really hard in the concert. Even if the song is small and tiny, you can find a way to make it reach that back wall or whatever. But I think on the last record, I was so concerned about what the band show was going to sound like, you know. I listened to your whole record and I mean, I've listened to it a few times. (laughs) You did a lot of co-writing for this, right? With your own music, do most of them come from co-writes or do you tend to write by yourself? I think there's only only one on this record that I wrote alone. And I wrote some other ones alone that didn't end up on the record. I wrote, there's two other ones that I wrote alone that we ended up cutting off. And I was surprised by how many ended up being co-written, and I didn't really even realize it until I sort of looked at all the credits. I'm so into writing with other people and letting that collaboration change the Mm. songs or make them sound new and original that I don't even notice anymore. Like, the the ones that I love that end up being on the record, I don't care how I got them. Like, I even considered cutting someone else's song on this record just because I loved it so much, and we didn't end up doing it. But... I just like if they fit on the mood of the record and I feel like they work, then I want them on there. So I'm not I'm not super concerned about the co-written thing anymore. So what was the intention when you were going into sessions? Well, yeah, like that. I always thought when I started to write in Nashville with other co-writers or with staff writers or artists in Nashville, I always thought this would be for them and it would be a separate thing from my thing. And as I've moved forward and gotten better at it, I think. Now I just go in and try to write the best thing possible. If it's good and I love it, I want to do it, you know. It just feels like all one thing to me now. And it always was the songs that I would write, co-write that other people wanted to cut, like the one that Tim McGraw cut. or the th- That's a song that I wanted to do so badly. You know, like as soon as we wrote it, I was like, I don't care what happens to this song. Oh, the one uh, Maine. Portland, Portland Maine, or, yeah. Yeah. I just thought, whatever happens, I love this song. I don't care. And then, so those are always the ones that other people like too. So I just thought, it's all become one thing. So 
I never go into a writing session prescribing anything or feeling like this will be for this person or that person. I just think, let's just try to write something that's really fantastic that we all love. Because it's so hard to write a good song. It's like impossible. If you do it like five times, you might go to the Hall of Fame. Like it's, re- it's, re- <laughs> it's really hard, you know. A lot of your songs are really good, um, <laughs> like more than five, but... I mean, like, perfect. Those songs that are, like, perfect. Do you feel like you still struggle with your time alone and your time to sort out your thoughts, like, as an, you, and then your time with, like, your family or, like, your friends? Or do you feel like you struggle with that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I... You know, I'm probably not the easiest person to live with is I'm really... Why? Well, I'm really, like... I'm really focused on the things that I want to do and I want to make. So, and I have to be reminded. This is you're focused on your music. And like yeah, your I'm focused on stuff. my career all the time, and I have to be reminded that, like my partner, you know, I am so blinded by my own desire to make things and be creating stuff all the time that I have to be reminded that my partner is like a real person with her own hopes and dreams and ambitions that I have to support and allow space for. And when I'm reminded of that, and I'm, I'm good enough now that I can remind myself of that, I go, oh, yeah, geez, <laughs> it's, not, it's not all about me. It has, it's not, this, everything is not about me. And I, that's been a really hard thing for me. That sounds so silly saying it, but it's, it's the thing I work on all the time about myself. So, yeah, like the feeling of fine. I used to get a lot of alone time on the road, but, but traveling, I can't really write when I travel. I only can do it sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah. And then once you're old enough to have children, it's very difficult to say, I have to go off to the bedroom to be alone, for <laughs> to think about my thoughts for a, for a couple hours. So <laughs> yeah. You just can't really say that as a mature adult. So, Like, no, Dad, like, you should be hanging out with me. Yeah, no, there's no also way. Also, they're going to yeah. grow up so fast, and yeah. Mm, and you feel like you're going to miss it all. But, yeah, the pandemic time has really been... I didn't realize how much flying was taking out of me. Like, I took 72 different flights last year in 2019, which is insane and I you know not having to fly it all this year has been really nice and restful I don't think I was really appreciating how crazy that is yeah I uh, have had a similar experience because even though I don't think I travel as much as you probably do during this pandemic it's the only time I've slept in the same bed for like months I mean since the beginning I've been in the same house I haven't I've maybe done little day trips but I haven't gone anywhere and I feel like the beginning I was so tired and had to like recognize that I was so tired and so just couldn't really do much. And then I'm finally now being like, oh, I feel well rested. (laughs) Strangely. What things have you done to be able to balance that? Or have you found things that work, you know, like with like your partner or your family or like. Parenting was like, was not, I felt so guilty all the time. It didn't snap. It didn't. It wasn't natural to me. And I've, I've, mm. all, all my friends would have kids and they would be like, you know, they would say all these things like, it's the best thing in the world. I feel like a different guy. I'm, now, <laughs> I know, now I know what it's all about. And I felt like the secret was not being revealed to me in the way that it was revealed to them or something. I, was never, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't immediately good at it. I feel like I'm getting better and I feel like I'm pretty good now. You said you were teaching too. You were being a teacher at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I was teaching them. Oh, for homeschool. From, from, yeah, I was for homeschool. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I yeah. Was, no, it's, I was doing So home. that seems like you're doing pretty good if you're the teacher. Yeah, I felt that was fun. It was actually very fun. I actually enjoyed yeah. it. I'm glad that they're back in school, but I did because probably I wasn't doing that good of a job. But I felt really good about it. 
I mean, I had a dad who was really driven and really ambitious, and I didn't really see him. I mean, I saw him, but when he was home, it was like, whoa, his dad's here. You know, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. he wasn't omnipresent. And so I, I have had a hard time finding out how to be both myself and a dad. You don't want to be a completely different guy around your kids. You want to show them yourself, but then also you don't want to expose them to your weaknesses or your, you know, the, the impatience that you have. Or the, and I think a lot of dads in particular, I think moms, for a long time, moms were not able. I think there's a lot of moms groups now where moms can go, holy fuck, I fucking, <laughs> I'm going to, I hate this. I'm going to go crazy. I'm, I, you need to start a dad's group <laughs> an online. Like, and not, not to say that there's like men are big victims or anything, but I do think that there's a lot of <laughs> oh, right. dad communication yeah. that's just dads lying to each other. They, they just say like, it's the best. I love it. Love being a dad. And that's it. Nobody <laughs> digs any deeper than that. And I, I do wish there were some people being like saying, Oh, I find it, very, I find it very difficult because I I have found it to be really challenging for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and improving at it makes me feel really, really, really great. There's an article I read in the New York Times, and it was about like, well, there's a part in your life when you need to like find yourself, and your that's the first mountain is is like stripping away anything that isn't you, but then the second mountain is when you decide to reattach to things and it's a more conscious decision like oh I actually want to see my parents or I want to be a good parent so I'm going to have kids. Please send me that because that sounds exactly like my experience. It's by I believe David Brooks so he's one of my favorite um, New York Times writers. This <laughs> is so nerdy but, no, but like yeah, he not. or I don't know maybe it's not nerdy. The New York Times is very popular. It's a very popular newspaper. It's not. <laughs> yeah New York Times or no, no I guess just like I get into this like why are we doing like why do I do the things I do or so like his writing in particular is very like kind of analyzing like what we should be doing or how or how we should, to live yeah, how we yeah, should how, be in the world. But that, that that is the natural thing and that sometimes people get stuck thinking that their whole life is about stripping away everything. Yeah. Because it felt fulfilling at first, you know, like when you first went off to college and could kind of do your own thing or when you first moved to that new city and kind of figured it out, it felt so like I want to spend more time like by myself and some people can kind of get stuck in that. But actually to be fulfilling sort of like the process of like being a human is like then reattaching to things and um, that that will give you more of a forward motion fulfillment you know oh I like that explanation I like that description of it very much because I do think some some guidance no this is good I need to pay you by the hour for this it's really good I do think that like yeah I think a lot of the decisions I made before I was 30 even were the things that I thought I was supposed to do that I was just like going, oh, I should probably do that. That's what people are doing now. And then the ones that I made after were ones that I was making consciously as myself, more as, yeah, as myself. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I like that. But like your album too, definitely, there's some of that in there, I guess, that feeling of alone, but then actually you want connection, actually. Yeah, like stripping away things and marching out into the desert and being like, no, I don't need any of this. I don't need any of these people bothering me. Yeah. But the truth is that all you have is, that's, yeah. all, that's all And that's is. what makes it fun and like fulfilling and makes you think of stories to tell. And like, and I feel like the artists I love the most are the ones that are very specific. And yeah, you feel like you know something about how they process the world, what their day is like just by listening to their music what their little world is like that's because then you suddenly feel like you have this friend that's not your friend but 
you are connected and they're definitely a friend in your mind <laughs> they're <laughs> a friend in your mind yeah, yeah they really are definitely and it's, a friend. um i don't know how else you get that it's nice when you meet really. people that feel that way like do you you must meet people that feel like they know you really 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 well from being on the show and or yeah yeah even if they've seen you on the show but then followed your music afterwards that's two ways into your life they must feel like they really know you yeah i do and you know it's i feel like i used to be a little bit more shy i can still be that way like depending on the day like it comes over me and suddenly i'm like uh, i can't talk or whatever but um i used to be kind of shy and people would meet me at like comic book conventions or um or at my shows because I did a lot of shows in New York and so I had kind of like a little group of fans there and they would come up to me and just like want to hug me which now I don't feel as uncomfortable about but at the time I just be like oh my gosh I don't I don't know you yet like I'm still figure like just seeing your face for the first time like I don't know you and it felt like I could tell that they felt like they I was their friend and I would love to be their friend but I it would make me uncomfortable at first is what I'm saying because I wasn't caught up to them and they had already like listened to my music saw me on Walking Dead saw me or you know followed me on Instagram or whatever and felt so close and I'm so happy that I gave someone that feeling but yeah now I welcome it but I think I used to sort of feel like I don't know you yet. Like that felt scary to me. It's weird because I'm such a fan of people. So it's like I should understand that feeling. But it took me a while to like receive it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I meet people after the show, particularly women who are fans, who believe that I am a very, a very emotionally in touch person who un has some <laughs> has some wisdom about relationships <laughs> that I can share to them or to their partner to yeah. improve their 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 relationship i don't i don't possess that <laughs> i don't like i'm sorry i, I don't, don't i do not possess that wisdom <laughs> i can see that sometimes coming from them looking for something for me to say something to them and i used to be very put off by that by thinking like all oh, these people don't know me but now as i as i ease into it i just go well, let people have their have their yeah. feeling, feelings about me. I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. Like it, if they think I'm some different guy, that's okay. I mean, it doesn't. It's as good as my assumption of what I am. So I, I'm not really, yeah. really bothered by. It. But I, I used to feel uncomfortable about it. Now I feel sort of like, eh. No, I mean that's a good way to describe the feeling too, though, that you're somehow gonna not fulfill their sort of yeah fantasy. Because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was part of it too. The uncomfortable that I felt at first was like, oh, turns out I'm just a person like I would go to comic book conventions and some people are just so so charismatic like in Walking Dead like like I can remember one of my castmates that just was always like standing on the table and like what's up yes well, like yes, what's up guys you yes, know and yes. like so ready to like perform and be there for them yeah, and I would right. be like if you're really meeting me I'm not gonna be like hey everybody I'm Emily Kinney from the walk like I'm not gonna like fill you if it doesn't fill them, that's still not even really my responsibility. Like, I yeah, yeah. just need to be myself. And, and that all. person that's like, the people that are, and I know musicians that are like that too, who walk in a room and they're like, what's up everybody? I'm here to meet people. Like, yeah, that's even, their natural state. Like, and they, even that thing that they're doing is is armor against the feeling that we're having too. It's like, it's just, they go, oh, I'm going to go out there and just be fantastically large and satisfy these people with a barrage of you know it's like everybody feels that same way maybe i'm not good enough and there's just different ways to combat it you know like and that's just another, oh yeah another good you yeah, know i didn't it. think about that like even if it's not natural maybe it's just their way of dealing with it where my way might be like more awkward and like uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're more it, like i'm just gonna go <laughs> yeah but it's not your responsibility to make it 
unawkward or anything. It's like it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky though. It's an interesting thing that, and I, it's like a lucky problem to have to deal with, of course, but. It's something everybody kind of fantasizes about. They think if you have it, wow, you must have been extra special or really done something. And like when you're in it, maybe it kind of makes you feel special for a bit, but I don't know. It also isn't real. You know, you find yourself just wanting to be around people who don't feel that way about you. And you feel it like changing your the way that you're interacting. Like I know when Walking Dead was really big, it did change my relationship even with like my parents. And to feel like even that relationship has shifted in this strange way. Yeah. Every once in a while I experience a bit of it, which is that your own friends treat you a little bit different. And that that's an interesting thing to have to to have to navigate. And you can combat it by being like, don't you know? Let's be the same. Like let's not. But but I I do think that's a very weird, unique experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine being on a television program. I can't imagine. I didn't. I never watched The Walking Dead. I only. You never. I, it's scary. Don't watch I'm it. I'm a fan it's... of yours from your music. I'm not like. I don't, oh, never, thank you. And then when I when I say when I when I tell people that you that you, you know that I have met you and that and they have watched that show, they're like, oh my god, like so. The, I know it's zombies, but I don't know anything. Yeah, I mean, you might like it. It is very scary but you know it's also like i think the thing that made it special is it is people like talking about well what if it was the end of the world it is interesting conversations particularly for this time um i guarantee that i would like it yeah you'd probably like that i mean they have really good like conversations especially but then you know there's also episodes that are just like so bloody and I mean, I don't know what kind of TV I guess you like, but... Yeah, like, I'm so bad at knowing what's going to happen in television. Like, when something happens in a show, my girlfriend's always like, you didn't know that was going to happen? I'm always like, no, I had no idea. Like, I can be... They were setting it up just for you. Yeah, I'm I'm the exact level of intelligence they're looking for on the television. Like, I do not anticipate things. So did you want to maybe sing a song from your album? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part of it. Yeah, I was going to do that Lonely People song, for sure, if that's all right. Oh, great. Yeah. How's that? You can hear all that already? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I'm recording here so I can figure it out.
with somebody close to you You might have held them and never knew Lonely people Like me and you Some nights are gonna move so slow Sometimes you're gonna wonder why your heart feels broke Find a way to let it out Cause there's something beautiful Knowing that you're not alone There's a little bit of lonely in everyone you've ever known We can all make it through somehow Cause there's something beautiful about Lonely people Lonely people Thank you. Thanks. So good. Well, thank you. Yeah, you sound so good. Well, Your thanks. voice sounds great. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode chatting with Donovan, and I hope you enjoyed his performance of Lonely People as much as I did. Also, his album, Without People, came out in November and if you haven't given it a good listen I highly recommend it it is just so beautiful my favorite tracks are the last time I saw you and high season so make sure to check out those ones and we will link his album in the show notes also make sure to follow Donovan on Twitter and Instagram he's really good at social media and his Twitter account is one of my favorites to follow and a welcome break from all the intense news stories that mostly take up my feed. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and rate. It really helps out the show and maybe think about sharing this episode with a friend. We also have an official Spotify playlist and a dedicated Facebook group, which I will also link in the show notes. I hope you guys have a great week and drink some delicious coffee to get you going. And I will be back next Tuesday with another episode of My Caffeine Withdrawal.